Amen. So as we continue through the book of Romans, we've been going through it for several weeks now. We're in chapter 12, beginning in verse 3. For the next couple of weeks, there's some really awesome passages here. Next week, I'm really excited about. Talks all about relationships. And so any relational problems that you have, you're going to get something next week from God's word I'm excited about. And then the the following week, we're going to talk about how a Christian uh, needs to relate to the government. So our elected officials, how do, we, how do we relate to them when we, let's say, we might disagree with them? You know, what does a Christian do? Now, I'm sure nobody in here disagrees with anything our government is doing, so maybe it's not practical. But, but perhaps you have some disagreements in what is the Christian response. Excited about that week. Uh, today, though, we focus on the church being a body, being a team, many members, different functions, cooperating and working together. Now, I see a lot of great Uh, jerseys out there. And I was surprised and good to get to know some of you guys on some of the teams that you like. Some of you are kind of noticing mine and and so that you don't, I don't want to tempt you to sin anymore against me. I'm just going to button my jacket. So you you don't get mad. I'm just kidding. My wife convinced me to go ahead and wear Buckeye stuff. All my family's from Columbus, Ohio. So we were kind of raised and indoctrinated with this stuff. So please don't hate me for this. And, And by the way, my wife and all of my kids, you know, are wearing uh, UT Orange today. So just want to, the sins of the father are not being passed on to the second and third generations. So just so you know that, I love UT. Um, my wife convinced me to do this because she said, you know what, we're not a part of a church where they're going to be petty and get mad at you for that. So I'm trusting her on her wisdom. We're not going to go there, right? So, so we see lots of different teams here. So the point today is have a little fun uh, see who you root for and realize that all of us have different teams that we root for and that we enjoy. A lot of times it's because players we like or we're from certain areas like I, I am or uh, for uh, multiple reasons. But at the end of the day, when we walk into this room, we who like different teams become one team. We had some incredible interviews uh, with Coach Rader from Maryville College, from Coach Curls from Maryville High School, just to pick their brain on teams, to hear them, even, even things that weren't on the, on the um, video that we were able to talk about. It is mind-blowing how much a, a football team and teams in general function and, and, and the principles that make uh, athletic teams great apply so much to the church. And so all of these principles that they share, I'm looking at it, I'm getting excited because that's exactly the principle that we have to follow, that God's word teaches his church, his body functions together. So let's dive into it. Let's see what it says. Verse three, he says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let's talk through these things. Let's, let, me, let me give you some principles of what's going to make a great team. Now, we see in anatomy lesson that the church is called the body. Different parts, just like our physical body, all working together uh, to function in a healthy way. 
We see that and we say, you know, that's the same thing a team does. A team has different members, different players, different gifts. When they work together, they accomplish great things. Now, in the church world, our coach is God. Our playbook is the Bible. And we are members of his team. The goal in football is to score touchdowns and win the game. The goal of a church is to make disciples. And so those are the principles. And how do we relate to each other? He speaks directly to us. The first thing I want you to see is that each of us needs to know our strengths and our weaknesses. Look again at verse 3. He says, I want you to have a sober mind. Um, He says, for the, the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. So in other words, don't be conceited. Don't, don't think more highly of yourself here. And surely you know of sports teams who have individuals who thought that they were pretty awesome stuff and their ego got exploded. Maybe their, their, their financial you know, bonuses and the, 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 what the team was paying them was growing and the media was pumping them up and their ego grew so big. What it ended up doing to the team is ruining it. Because in the locker room, people started, you know, getting angry at this guy. And he, he thought it was all about him or she thought it was all about her. And you guys have seen this. So in the church world, in, on our team, it's not like we come in here thinking we're the greatest, you know. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I, I rarely, if ever, I've never actually heard this, but maybe, maybe it is. I've never heard somebody say, dude, I'm the greatest greeter in the church. Never seen that. Now, I've never, never heard that, bro. I am the, the, the most incredible diaper changer this church has ever seen. You, know, I, you just don't hear that in the church world. So it's not like a verbal thing, but it's more of a maybe a mental thing. I mean, some of us think we're a little bit better than somebody else. Sometimes our financial or socioeconomic background or, or maybe where we come from or what we look like, we, we just kind of have this, we're a little bit better than this group of people. He says that will ruin a team, that will ruin a church. You got to be people that will go out of your little clique and your little group that you're comfortable with and be able to meet and talk and interact and build relationship with everyone that God brings into his church. He says, don't think more highly of yourself. In fact, if you're the person that says, I'm the greatest, fill in the blank, chances are you're not. Because if you have to say you are, you're pretty much not. So he says, be sober-minded about it. The Greek word here for sober-minded comes to us from two words. And the two words mean to save and the mind. So this sober-mindedness means to save your mind. So to save your mind. So don't go crazy here. It's it's, it's this idea that we want to have a sober understanding of of our strengths and our weaknesses. So I don't want to fall too far on, dude, I'm the greatest. And here's the flip side. I don't want to fall into this category where I'm saying, I'm not good at anything. I'm just not any good. I'm lousy. I'm a sinner. I've messed up so many times. I I can't do anything in the church because of who I am and what I've done. He says both are incorrect. Have a a sober mindedness. So sometimes in the church world, sometimes we get confused with the word uh, be humble. And so we want to be humble. And we think being humble means that we say we're not any good at something or we're terrible at something. But that's not what the word humble means at all. The word humble just means that we understand what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, and I'm not going to think more highly of myself, and I'm not going to think poorly about myself either. One of the things I'm trying to teach my kids is how to receive a compliment. It's a good thing to teach your kids. Like when someone says, good job doing this or doing that, the appropriate response is 
thank you. It's not, oh, I'm horrible. Oh, I was, I was lucky. Oh, I'm just, uh, you know, it, it, the, the appropriate thing to say is just thank you. But, but how many times when somebody uh, compliments you, do you get uncomfortable? Have <laughs> you ever thought about it? It just makes us uncomfortable. Oh, you're saying the good things about me. I'm not comfortable with this at all. And so I want to, you know, condemn myself and kind of have this poor self-esteem view come across. And so I compliment somebody today and see what their response is, because it's interesting why we sometimes go to that. And here's what I want to say to you that think that you don't have a gift. And Coach Corals talked about the potential in some of his, in some of his athletes. So, so here's the deal. And, and, and if you're in this boat, I don't want to hurt your self-esteem anymore. I just want you to think about it differently. But listen, think through it. If you are saying you're a believer in Jesus Christ and, and, and you're not good at anything, it's actually a sin. And here's why it's a sin. God's word teaches us through our salvation, Christ loved us died for us. That means he values us. The scripture teaches that he, in fact, gives us a gift when we accept him. Therefore, if I'm saying I'm no good at something, we are in direct contradiction to his word, which is sin. So, so let's, let's not say to each other, I'm no good at anything. I don't have a gift. Let's just say I haven't figured out how God has gifted me. That's the safe way to, to kind of go about it. I just haven't figured out how God has gifted me. And many of you are kind of in that boat. You haven't figured out. You're kind of frustrated. You don't know what exactly it is. You struggle with, I don't know if God really, and the point is, he has. And, and, and the point here is that, in fact, each of us needs to know our strengths and our weaknesses. Now, a couple of things to notice. Anytime you read the Bible, if he says something over and over again, underline it, circle it so you don't forget it. It means something. Look at this passage with me. In verse three, he says, it's for the grace given to me. That's a statement there that should stand out to you because by the grace given to me, again, he says it again, drop down at the end of verse three. He says, according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And then again, he says it again in verse six. He says, according to the grace given to me, given to us. So he's making this point that the gift that you have is given to you by God's grace. It's God's grace. It's his decision on why you are gifted at certain things. Now, this is a great place to start because if we think we develop that gift or we earn that gift, then, then, then we think it's about us and we'll use that gift only for us. But if you'll recognize and realize first and foremost, the giftedness that you have today is given to you by the grace of God, then it changes. It should change how we view the things that we're good at in this world. Because here's the reality. Some of us are gifted and we have only been using our giftedness in the secular world, in our business. And God has blessed us and we've seen financial gain or we've seen success because we're using the gifts that God has given to us. But listen, if that's all we're using it for, then we are missing out on the point. It's the grace of God that has blessed us with certain gifts. Let's continue. Number two, each of us need to realize that we've, we've got to depend upon each other. In other words, we've got to be able to uh, realize that we, we've got to cooperate with each other and depend on each other. We can't have ministries that are kind of lone ranger mentalities that I'm just going to do my thing and I don't need to cooperate or I don't need to think through overall strategy on what you guys are doing. I'm just going to do what I want to do and just leave me alone. It's like it doesn't work that way. As a team, we have to communicate and work together towards the same goal. 
Um, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, all talks about how uh, we have to depend upon each other. And the, the eye can't say to the foot, I don't need you. And the hand can't say to the eyes, I wish you guys would just for, you know, stop doing what you're doing. You know, we all, as the body, have to work together. Now listen, if you, if you see someone whose physical body is impaired in some way, we identify that person as having a handicap or you know, some type of deficiency there, maybe in their health. And so the same is true in the team of the church, that if, if the church is, is, is dysfunctioning, not working appropriately, then the church is, in fact, that team is disabled in that way. So it's important for us to realize what this means. So let me give you a few quick uh, pointers on what it means that we have to depend upon each other. First of all, every believer is a minister. Some of us grew up in church where we think or thought that the pastor and the pastors were the paid players and we're just going to have to follow what they say and we're just going to come and sit and enjoy what they produce on Sunday morning. That is not the biblical picture of what a Christian is. What a Christian does is they realize that they've been gifted and that everyone is called to be a minister. Not everybody is called to preach and be in the church full time, but everyone as a believer is called to do ministry and to be a minister in your own context. That's huge for our church. Um, the staff uh, is in, in their job, it, it teaches us in Ephesians 4 that pastors are to equip and prepare God's people for the work of the ministry. So, so I, that's part of our function and our role and your part and your function is to find out how you're gifted and to use those giftings for God's glory. Secondly, every believer has a different function. He says it here very clearly that we're all gifted differently. And so we don't all fit in the same little box. And thankfully, we are all gifted differently because if we all had the same gift, we'd be lopsided. If we were all the mouth and nobody was, was the ear, then, then it'd be kind of loud in here. And so we have to realize that everyone has a different function. And here's what ten, tends to happen sometimes in church world is that we'll become envious of some people that have certain gifts that we you know, consider nice or good or cool. And we kind of sit back and say, God, why didn't you give me the gift like her or like him? And what we do is we allow the enemy, the devil, to rob us of our joy and to get us focused on what we don't have instead of uh, learning and developing the gifts that we do have. Because the enemy knows that if we're sidetracked on, on what we don't have, then we're not going to get to that sweet spot of ministry where we're doing the exact thing that God has called us to do because he knows in that moment, people's lives are changed. Our life is changed. We are blessed. So he's going to do anything and everything to get your mind off of how you've been gifted and on how other people have. But every single believer has a different function, a different role to play, which means, number three, every ministry is important. Every single ministry is important. Now, not every ministry is one that gets, you know, a lot of face time. You know, think of your body for a second. Now, our hands get a lot of credit because of, of the good that we're able to do with our hands. But when you think about it, some of the parts of the body that are hidden, that are never seen, do some of the most important work, don't they? For instance, our organs, like our liver, our heart. I mean, we don't get to see that, don't get much credit to them. But thankfully, it's working well right now, Right? I mean, the same is true in ministry as a, as a team. Everybody doesn't, you know, get to do the same thing. What God has done is he has equipped us all differently. That when we are working through our strength zone, then we're able to see great things happen because every single ministry 
is important. Every single part of the body is critical to the overall well-being and health of the church. Now, um, some of you don't know my assistant, uh, but, but her gift is, is serving. Her gift is behind the scenes, and she does an incredible job. Now, some might think well, that's not that important, but to me, kind of what I see and realize about from a church level is because of her, the light are on today and I'm here and, I, and everybody has stuff and, and, and it's all put together. If it wasn't for her, man, so much would fall through the cracks, but nobody sees that. So it's huge for us to understand that every ministry is important. Number four, again, we've got to see this, that every believer has to cooperate. We've got to depend on each other. So don't think too highly. Don't think too low. Realize that we've got to cooperate and work together. Um, the, in First Corinthians, he talks about the body and he, he says, you know what, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Of course, you know, it's important to the body. You know, the right leg isn't going to, you know, kick your left leg, hopefully today, you know, sporadically, you know, make you fall down. I mean, some of you it tends to happen more than you would like, but, you know, you don't want that to happen. But I mean, just think about in the church world, sometimes Christians are really, really bad about kicking Somebody else who's down in the church. We're good at, you know, just punching people while they're down and kicking them while they're down, hurting them even worse than, than they're already hurting. And, and that's just not what we see in the Scripture. What we see in the Scripture is that the church is a body, is a team, and they work together to build each other up. And so we want to we be in a church and an environment on a team that encourages and builds people up even when they're struggling, even when they are down. We've got to cooperate together. And so, so here's, here's my next point. The reason why some of you are frustrated in your Christian walk, you're frustrated relationally, is because you haven't realized this yet. You haven't realized that God has gifted you and, and you're to use that gift for his glory. And so using that gift, and, and until you realize what that gift is and until you begin to use it, I believe that frustration may continue to grow. Think about it again as a body. If all you do is eat and you don't exercise, then, the, then chances are your health will deteriorate at some point. The same is true for Christians. And you've heard this before. If all you do is get fed spiritually on Sunday mornings and you don't exercise what you've learned, you don't exercise your faith, then guess what? You're going to be an unhealthy Christian. You've got to begin to serve others. Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. He said, I want you to lose your life so that you can find your life. He said, learn to be the servant of all. And in our context, I mean, human nature is to be anti everything that Jesus just said. Serve? I don't want to be served. I want to be served. I don't want to lose my life. You know, I want to, I want to be me. But Jesus calls us to serve. Jesus calls us to lose our life so that we can find it. And here's what I know to be true in my own life. You know what? People may encourage me and say, hey, thank you for this or thank you for this. And, you know, your ministry encouraged me or whatever. And that, that is great. I love that encouragement. And at the same time, I want to do this to be a blessing to other people. But I'm telling you, the moment I began to do what God called me to do, the peace and the joy that God gave to me supersedes any encouragement and blessing that I can give to anybody else. 
Maybe that's true for you too. When you finally started to serve and your mentality was, I want to serve people, I want to serve people. And that's a great mentality to have. You started to serve them. And then over some time, you realized that you were the one that got the blessing. You were the one that's been changed. You were the one, you know, that, that has the joy now. And sure, maybe other people are getting blessed. But at the end of the day, God does something in us when we imitate him and begin to serve like him. So what makes a great team? Well, got to know our strengths and weaknesses. We've got to depend upon each other. And thirdly, we've got to actually use our gift. Look at verse 6 again. He says, you're going to have different gifts. They're different according to the grace given to us. And he says, let us use them. Now, this is, this is awesome. You've all been gifted. You're a part of a body. Use them. I mean, this is incredible stuff. I mean, all of us, if we call and claim the name of Jesus Christ today you got to use the gifts he's given to you for his church. We've got to use them. He gives us seven examples of spiritual gifts that we'll talk about here in just a moment. But, but let me just say this, that when you were born physically, God blessed you with some physical attributes. You know, the ability to, to see, the ability to stand up and walk eventually and to talk. And so you had these physical abilities The moment that you accepted Christ into your life, the Spirit of God blessed you with a spiritual gift according to the grace given to us we see in the scripture here so God gives you at least one some of you have more than one uh, but you'll have at least one gift now listen not everybody is going to have all the gifts and that's important I'm not, I mean I'm not going to pray that you get the gift of teaching today and like you got to learn how to teach because the scripture doesn't teach that we have all of them the, te- the, the scripture teaches we have at least one maybe more but nobody has all of them If I had all of them, I wouldn't need you. And if you had all of them, you wouldn't need me. And so, therefore, he gifts us differently with different roles and functions. But whatever our gifting is, we're to find out what it is and to begin to use it. And just like a jigsaw puzzle, we begin to use the gifts God has given to us. And then together we begin to make a beautiful canvas, a beautiful picture That will blow your mind for God's glory that we couldn't even imagine today. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in various forms. You can't, I mean, listen, you can't read the Bible without seeing this everywhere. Everywhere to use the gifts God has given you to serve other people for the glory of God. God gave you a gift, but he didn't give that gift to you for you. He gave it to you so that you would bless me. And God didn't give me the gifts that he has given to me just to bless me or to take care of my family. He blessed me and gave me those gifts so I could be a blessing to you in this church. And so the same is true for all of us. So he gives us seven examples here of spiritual gifts. So let's walk through them. We could spend, you know, the next several months talking about all of these gifts, but I just want to briefly give you an overview of what they mean and what they are. And, and listen, this isn't an exhaustive list of all the spiritual gifts. So when we get through these seven and you're like, dude, I don't have any, man. It's like, just hang tight. There are more. These are just some that he lists here today. Here's what he says. First of all, we've got many gifts. Verse six, he calls us to use them. And then he says, if it's prophecy in proportion to our faith. 
So the gift of prophecy is what he's talking about here. If you have the gift of prophecy, he wants you to, to use that gift. Now, the gift of prophecy is not like the prophet uh, Moses or the prophet Isaiah or Elijah in the Old Testament. Because when they stood up, they didn't have this book. When they stood up, they had the very words of God and they said, thus saith the Lord. God spoke to me. I'm telling you the words of God. It had the authority of God with those words. So today, that's not the same thing as what we would see the, the gift of prophecy today. The gift of prophecy today is, is first, well, first of all, this is God's word. So we have his word. So when I stand up to proclaim his truth, I'm reading this and I'm saying, this is what God says. So the gift of prophecy is concerned with speaking the truth, no matter what people think being a defender of the faith. These are people that are passionate about what does it say, the truth of God. We need to know it. We need to follow it. These people are very passionate about knowing the truth. And so, so that's what it would mean, proclaiming that truth. And, and then he says, if it's service in our serving. So if you have the gift of service, he says, in your, in your serving, I want you, to, want you to go after it and use it. Now, just like other gifts that he mentions here. He's going to mention some specific gifts that you have, but, but on, on the other level, all of us are called to do some of these things on some level. So we're all called to serve. We're all called to proclaim God's truth in our setting and, 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 and be able to tell people about our faith and share the gospel to make disciples. We all know that we're called to do each one of these seven but for some of us, we're going to be gifted specifically in that area, which means we're going to do it even better than others who might not have that gift. So when he says service, here, here's what we know. If you have the gift of, of serving, it doesn't matter what it is or where it is. When you see a need, you are drawn to fill that need. I mean, it doesn't matter if you show up to be a greeter today, if you showed up to serve there and they said, hey, we don't need you here. We kind of need you over there. You're flexible. You don't care. You just want to serve. Boom, you're gone. Now, if you don't have the gift of service and you showed up to be a greeter and they said, hey, we don't need you here. We need you over here. You'd be like, come on, man. What's up with that? You know, so the gift of service is like, I'll do anything and everything behind the scenes. They don't need credit. They don't need to be up in front of people. They just love to serve other people. The next gift he says, is the one who teaches. So now he talks about um, the, the gift of, of teaching. So the gift of teaching is, is someone who would be passionate about, you know, knowing the truth and then explaining that truth. So here, here's what it means and here, here's how you do it. And so the, 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 the prophet likes to, is gifted in proclaiming it and the teacher is, is gifted at explaining it. And so the gift of teaching, some of you have that gift in here today. We've got to use it for God's glory on some level. And then he says, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. Now exhorting is, is just like encouraging. So some of you have that gift of just encouraging other people. You just, you just see things that other people don't see and you're just, you're just led to respond with, with encouraging that person. So if the prophet proclaims the truth, the teacher explains it, the exhorter or the encourager likes to give counsel and likes to to explain uh, steps on how to use that and, and to apply that to their lives. And so you're, you're good at counseling, you're good at giving people advice, and, and you like to encourage people to do something with God's word. The next is giving. So again, we're all called to give something, but, but a giver um, has that special ability to, to give even more, more so. And he says, if you have the gift of giving, give generously. 
Now, if you're a giver, that doesn't mean you're financially wealthy necessarily. Maybe it is. It doesn't mean you're, you're wealthy today. It just means that your mind kind of wraps around stewardship. You understand stewardship. You know that there needs to be X amount given, you know, to my bills, X amount given here. And then this is what's given to God. And you just kind of have that mind to understand stewardship. Now, here's what I do know. I do know that everyone is called to give. We teach here that it ought to be a proportion. It ought to be a percentage of what God has given you. And if you're not given anything to God's church, something is missing there. I know a lot of people say, whatever I've got at the end, I give that to God. That is not faithful stewardship as we see in the scripture. It's something that we set aside. We say, this, this goes to cable, this goes to house, and this goes to God. And this is going to God every week, every month, however you decide to give, but this belongs to him and it doesn't fluctuate. We commit to it. So if you're not giving, I just want to encourage you to start somewhere, whatever percentage you start at, start somewhere. I, I do believe the scripture teaches us that, that it ought to be a percentage and, and, and 10% is a good place to start, but it, it doesn't need to be the last place that we end. The Bible teaches us here and elsewhere to give generously. So if God has, 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 has blessed you financially, we should give in proportion to that. But whatever that is, he says, if that is your gift, make sure you are giving generously. And for all of us, we know that we've got to give. Next one is, is leadership. So some of you are gifted to be leaders, and, and, and many of you are leaders here. You're leading in business, you're leading in school, you're you know, leading in, in various places of the world. God has gifted you in leadership. Now, the Greek word here literally means fast. And if you know leaders, you know that they make decisions fast. They like to move fast. Sometimes they get criticized because they want to move. And, and so sometimes leaders do have to slow down and look around their shoulder, make sure people are still following and they're not too far out in front. Uh, but leadership is huge. If God has gifted you, you know, to be able to rally troops, to be able to rally groups of people to accomplish tasks, then he says, I want you to govern diligently, lead well. Don't just lead well for your own benefit, lead well for the glory of God in his church. The next thing he says is showing mercy. So showing mercy is, is someone who has the ability to empathize and care. And, and when somebody else is pouring out their heart, they don't just get sad if, it's a, if, if something is, you know, that they're struggling with, but they can, empath- man, they feel that same pain. Now, here's what's interesting. He uses the word here. He says, um, let me find it. And the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So, so here's the connection. Some of you have gone through difficult things and you can empath- empathize with other people um, because you went through the same thing. But if you have the gift of mercy, it's not, oh, let's have a pity party together. I went through the same thing. It's kind of like Eeyore, is that his name from, you know, the cartoon. We just kind of bring everybody down. It's not what the gift of mercy is. He says, if you have the gift of mercy, you're doing it with cheerfulness. So people with the gift of mercy, they, they feel a broken heart and then they can cheer you up. I mean, and how many of us want to be around that person? It's like, that's a behind the scenes gift. But when my heart's breaking, when I'm sad, I want the gift of mercy like in the front seat with me because I know that I need that. And I know that many of you need that in various times of your life too. So you see how important every single gift is amongst us. There are more gifts, like I said, but many of you are going to have some of these. And it's our responsibility 
as a believer to determine what those gifts are because God expects me to use them. You know, Jesus tells a lot of different stories and parables. And one of the stories is he, that he tells is the story of, of what we call the parable of the talents. And he gave, you know, three different guys different talents. And, and one guy went and buried him. Other, the other two used him. And when the guy that buried him came back and he said, here's my gift, I'm going to bring it back to you or my, what you gave me. He said, man, you're wicked. You, you missed the whole point. The whole point is, is what I've given you, you're supposed to go multiply it and use it. For us, it's important that we realize that we've been gifted. We have different roles and functions. And when we work together as a team, we're going to be able to accomplish something great for God. So here's how I want to land it today. Some steps of action for you. First of all, my challenge for you is to examine what your gifting is. That means you've got to take some time to think through it. You've got to take some time to do the spiritual gifts surveys that we have here, to talk to your small group leader, to talk to some pastors, to talk to some people, to figure out what that gifting is. Some of you already know that. You can move to step two. Step two is you begin to experiment in different ministries. Well, I feel like I have the gift of this, so I'm going to begin to jump in and I'm going to experiment because I've been wrong before, and, and maybe you're going to be wrong in the first guess, but you know, I'm going to jump into a ministry and experience it. And it's like, oh man, that was not good. That's not for me. I'm not going to di- discourage. I'm not going to get bummed out. I'm just going to go to the next one, experiment, try it out. Eventually, I'm going to find what God has gifted me to do. And finally, we got to exercise that gift. We got to get it into motion. We got to begin to use it, begin to allow God to, to bless other people through us, which in turn, as I said, is going to bless us. Examine it experiment and exercise. So, so here we go. Everybody got a puzzle piece, right? Grab your puzzle piece and look at that picture for a second. Look at the people next to you. This is the, is the same puzzle, by the way. Everybody, everybody's piece came out of the same box today. So what we're going to do, we're going to spend the next 10 minutes and we're going to see how long it takes for you guys to put this puzzle together and work together. Some of you are like, please, Jesus, no. <laughs> How can I get out of here? No, I'm not going to make you do that. <laughs> Whoo! Introverts are like, oh my gosh, I'm getting sweaty pits. <laughs> I had to sell it though and get it, get that. So, so here's, here's what I do now. If you will commit to the process, I promise you eventually we will find where your piece to the puzzle fits. And we'll make this picture that only God can see and God knows now. You guys don't know what this picture is right now. Guarantee it. I forget and I bought it. But God does. And when you put your gift connected to the person next to you, connected to the person on the other side of the room, eventually that process is going to put it together where we're working as a team. But it takes, listen, Coach Quarles had it right. I mean, he was saying, you got to commit to the process. You got to come to practice on time. You got to work on the fundamentals. You got to believe in your coach. You got to believe in yourself. You got to work hard. You got to do it every day. The same is true for our team here at Foothills Church, man. You've got to commit to the process. Commit to, to what we call the journey, which is, which is our discipleship strategy. Some of you jumped on to, to base camp, but you never went to camp two, and it's been over a year. You know, we've got to, we, we see camp two, we've got to experience our design and, and understand what that design is. Some of us have been here, we've never gotten into a small group. Some of you are here, you've never done one single act of service. And I don't say that to make you, you feel guilty. I'm just, I'm just saying like it is. If that's you, 
You're missing out, and your piece to the puzzle isn't being played, which means I suffer, which means my kids suffer, which means your kids suffer. And we may not feel it, we may not understand it, but we're just missing out on the blessing of serving together as a team. So as you leave today, I want to encourage you to stop by the Connect Center, register for Camp 3, the orientation, register for a ministry that you're just kind of interested in, register for uh, in any of those groups that we talked about earlier, because that potentially could be the next step towards an incredible, incredible, incredible walk with Jesus that you've never experienced before, but God is going to blow your mind. Let's pray, and then you'll be dismissed.